0: Hello and welcome to episode four of season two of Men Behaving Better from Irish Man Abroad podcast. The show about men making the effort to be better for themselves and for everyone around them, by extension. Today's episode is roughly around the idea of keeping well physically during lockdown and beyond. I think we have to start at lockdown because that's what's thrown this lens and magnified all of our bad habits. So I don't know about you, but those first four days of this, uh, the first week, maybe two weeks, who knows, maybe you're still in this. It felt like a little bit of an extended holiday. We all had still had the relatively the same kind of understanding of the world and what our futures were. It was worry, of course, but we were eating pizza and chips and takeaways in the belief that, hey, well, let's just enjoy this little bit of time with the family or back home. And, you know, sure, there isn't a cure for anxiety, but we can eat chips and chocolate until they find one. And then that kind of settling happened, right, where we all had to go. All right, this is a lot longer than we had thought it would be. And suddenly, for me anyway, the impact of those first couple of weeks suddenly started to show uh, because my body craves cakes and bread and chocolate. Like, I'm sure there's other people that know this feeling that I will get sad if I do not have those things. But in my mind, I know that those things are no good for me. Like, I'm in this constant battle, like many of you, where my brain desperately doesn't want to give in to the lust my body has for these things. Because I know that if I eat crap, I will feel like crap. Like that is a guarantee. If I eat the things, the junk, I feel like junk really rapidly. And it's probably something I've I've wrestled with for years now. I would say decades. Uh, I can even remember going to see a doctor about it because it, it felt like my body responded really slowly to exercise and negatively a lot of the time my body screamed at me, why are you doing this? I wouldn't couldn't put on muscle, couldn't get fit, but if I ate anything off the radar, anything poor, my body immediately welcomed it in and made a home for it. And I can remember when I donated the kidney to my brother, which is something I may have brought up at some point in the past. I donated a kidney to my brother and they give you all these tests. You go and they they put you in a room. They weigh you. They go through your BMI. They have a good hard look at your body fat percentage. And they quiz you for the guts of two hours on your diet and exercise regimen. And at the time I was attending everything from boot camp, British military fitness, box fit, I was swimming, I was running, I was lifting. And yet I was still just in the obese category. And I was like, what, why is this? They, they were puzzled by it. My heart rate, resting heart rate was 49, which was in the athlete category. But like a lot of Irish men, it was just like, it doesn't make any sense. If I if I go, if I go and eat chips at the weekend and bunched, it's all over. And I quickly derail this healthy wagon because I wasn't seeing the results I wanted. And they attributed it to uh, eventually to being Irish which is gutting, but makes an awful lot of sense. They said I had a carb sensitivity in that if I had carbs, my body would quickly, quicker than other people, turn it to sugar and then store it as fat. And this apparently is a recognized phenomenon among people from our part of the world that they uh, are more prone to doing this through evolution. And it makes sense, doesn't it, that our bodies have evolved in such a way as Irish people that if you ever take our potatoes away again, we will be ready for it. But all jokes aside, it has brought me an awful lot of sadness. And this whole aspect that we're going to talk about today in terms of physical wellness, wellness in general, has brought me so much pain and anxiety and bleakness at times that I can't. I struggle to articulate it, one, because you you feel sad because you don't look and feel the way you want to look right and then you feel sad particularly now for feeling sad i get i get down over how much this upsets me and the vanity contained within that, that there's so many bigger things going on and then secondly there's just a, the the lack of control, right? That sense that uh, how can I do anything in this life if I can't even control what I put into my body? And I feel like I meet a lot of guys in the same struggle. I've certainly talked about it a lot on stage and laughed about the absurdity of it because it is it is darkly funny. But lockdown has put a lens over it all because even the basic running around that you would have done going to the shops, to the train station, walking, Uh, those calories aren't being burned anymore. So now I think all of our metabolisms are slowing and it's getting a little bit harder, right? And yet some people aren't having that struggle. They've never had a struggle with motivation. You know these people I'm talking about. Peter Stringer is one of them. He might be the fittest man I know. He is Irish sporting royalty, essentially, part of that Grand Slam winning team. He's living proof, though, that... If you take care of yourself, you're going to be better equipped to take care of those you love around you. And over the course of 20 odd years in rugby, he won everything there was to win. In the club game with Munster, Saracens, Newcastle, Baths, Salem, Worcester, he represented his country 98 times. But maybe, you know, maybe that will mean nothing to you. Maybe you're just not into rugby. But you can accept that that sport takes a physical toll on a person that we can't comprehend. It basically controlled car crashes on a daily basis. And Peter played it on, into his 40s. It's Madness. He's the opposite of the ex-rugby player who, you know, gets chunky, fills out his shirts, keeps eating the same amount of food that he would have when he was playing and eventually puts his own health at risk. And all you have to do if you want an example of exactly how fit this man is, is have a look at his Instagram feed to understand the shape, commitment and joy that he draws from it. Who better to talk to during this lockdown and at any time to talk to about turning the dial, flipping the switch, changing the view to a place of sustainable health? Because that is, as he points out here, the key. What can we change that's going to be sustainable? over a long period of time, not a quick fix, but something that will last. And we get into it all here. We get into all of that from nutrition to form to uh, targets, the difficulties he has with relating with people that didn't play sport and, and food. There's even more of this, of course, to be had over on our Patreon feed. We only exist as a result of our Patreon feed, the Irishman Abroad Podcast and its podcast network is sustained by its supporters, you. We give extra content every week. Uh, so with this one, you're going to hear the best and worst players that Peter ever trained with, the beasts that he trained with, the hilarious myths that he heard ba- down through the years about bodybuilding, and his most mortifying 20 minutes of his entire life. <laughs> Not surprisingly, that relates to him being on Dancing with the Stars. And he also talks about the supplement that changed everything for him. So if that's floating your boat and you have a couple of quid to spare, it's only a five or a month, sign up at patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad and you will be helping us continue to make these great podcasts for you. But for now, it's the Peter Stringer episode of Men Behaving Better. Peter Stringer, thanks so much for doing Men Behaving Better. It's really uh, not the way I planned the episode. (laughs) When we met last at the Sugar Club in Dublin for our live Irishman abroad, we talked about our plan to do a workout together and kind of podcast that and kind of work through what is probably the biggest problem for me in terms of all this is the... Headspace and in terms of getting in shape, sustaining through workouts, staying on track with workouts. Like so many guys, I struggle with the mindset and the consistency needed. Now, that was the plan. All right. And then obviously COVID-19 happens. We all get locked down and a new plan has to emerge. And I don't think for a lot of people it has emerged that a lot of people are right now struggling with. Figuring out what is the routine that's going to work that will keep me in some form of shape during what whatever length of time this lockdown is going to be, I wondered to start with, did you have a plan in place already in terms of your own home setup and a home gym as to what you were going to do in this situation
1: well, firstly, I suppose my scenario kind of changed I, I knew that the, the time a couple of weeks ago, my wife was penciled in for a C-section. We were having our second second baby boy. With a, with a, he's nearly three and trying to manage him at home. So I knew it was going to be a, a challenging couple of weeks because Debbie, she was, like I said, she was having a C-section. Section, so she was going to be, I suppose, in bed for quite a bit and not being able to do quite a bit. So hmm. I had this kind of two-week period before this whole virus scenario came about where I knew that my my training was probably going to take a little bit of a, a kind of a, a backward step in terms of how often I was going to be able to get to the gym, might have been when I, you know, in the evening when I put Noah to bed and, and Debbie was kind of, you know, nursing um, Oscar and, and breastfeeding. So it was going to be a bit of a challenge. And, and then when this whole virus came along, it was just um, – yeah, again, like you mentioned there, it was always about re, 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 resetting your goals. And, and for me, my priority, obviously, was when Debbie came home from the hospital to look after them. It was mm-hmm. it was a case where in we were in CUH and the, the staff were incredible and they looked after us so well. She was due to be in there for five days, but they sent us home after four days because at that stage, the virus was kind of kicking off, it was spreading. They were getting new cases into the hospital. So I was very much worried about... I just wanted to get them home where yeah. we knew that we'd isolate ourselves in the house, take it from there, and kind of reassess. So that was my main goal. And and then when, you know, in the, really in the last week or so, like you said, when when people kind of thought that, you know, this, this might go on for a couple of weeks, but it's actually, you know, we can't really see when this is going to finish and there's no real clear picture. So again, I sat down and, and I'm someone that I... I, I love to live by my own schedule and a and structure and I have a plan. And you know, the last, last number of months or whatever it may be that I would have got up and got my training done early in the morning, had my day, had my r- routine. And like everybody else now who's housebound, they're, they're not going to work. That whole routine and structure has gone out the window. So it's about that resetting your goals kind of rescheduling everything restructuring your priorities in your life and you know for me at the moment it's it's about my family but also again I needed to have a back a, a plan in the back of my mind in terms of what training I needed to do and to keep up what I was doing so it was just about getting equipment into the garage that was able that was able to get my my hours training done every single day that I was on site if Debbie needed me in the house that I wasn't kind of venturing too far but you know, as things transpires, you know we're we're not leaving the house. So mm. I have that window, but I'm keeping so active, and I think that's really important in terms of just your 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 mental well being. That I have, like I said, a three year old, and and there's a newborn baby in the house. But the three year old is demanding so much of my time. It's it's amazing that you know he's he senses that there's something up, and mm. and he's he's FaceTiming his cousins and his friends, and he's please can i go to your house tomorrow and it's it's always a case of all oh, of the airplanes aren't working at the moment you're trying to generate some sort of an excuse but you know they're they're not silly at that age and they do yeah. understand so they're they're a lot more demanding of your time so it's challenging when you're having to you know get on your scooter and go around the house and get out in the garden and kick a ball and get on the tractor and all sorts of things that keep you moving and and it's amazing that you know i have a little kind of a calorie counter on my wrist and at the end of every day for the last couple of weeks my calories are probably, I've burnt more calories than I have in, in recent months, just purely of, you know, from the fact that you're you know, on I'm, all fours. I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm doing everything. I'm, I'm playing, I'm, I'm tidying the house, you're you know, doing the washing, and just things that you wouldn't necessarily think in your head as being a training session. But in terms of, I suppose, if people are looking to you know, keep those kind of pounds off and, and, and to manage that kind of calorie balance, then it's just about m- keeping moving. I do love to get my 1 hour weight session done where that will kind of help me maintain any kind of muscle mass that I have. But in terms of getting that kind of calorie balance right, it's about just keeping moving and obviously then the food side of things is is another big thing that like you said, you know, people will comfort eat in these couple of weeks you're at home, you know, things are in the fridge or in the cupboard and it becomes that little bit more difficult to kind of resist it because when you're bored, you know people comfort eat, and and there's all I always think that like, are you bored? Are you are you hungry? It's mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. or are you thirsty? You know, it's it's a case where you drink a pint of water, and all of a sudden your hunger, what you thought was hunger, might just go away. That that people's kind of perception of food, when they're in and around a house environment, twenty four hours a day, can change. So it's just it's really about managing those kind of urges and. um
0: and being and switched kind of, on to what you're actually feeling. Cause yeah, I know what you mean. The, am I bored or am I hungry or am I worried? I mean, worry is a big part of this. And I guess that's where my first question would be because, Oh, the, the, the sense that uh, going out and doing press ups in the garden or chin ups on the ledge of the door, it's hard to, in a family situation, certainly to Prioritise that, like you say, get your head straight, face the reality of this, try and figure out a schedule. But anyone who isn't living alone will know that, like you say, the, the family does come first. We're thrown into such an unusual kind of quasi holiday and Mayo type of situation where, you know, your your need to feel and look good doesn't feel that important relative to this family needs you here all the time. Do you know what I mean when I'm referring to all that? And mm, yeah. what do you say to people who are struggling or certainly men who are struggling to kind of convince their partner that this is actually essential for me to do those other things?
1: Yeah, it, it is. And, and there, it is that, you know, striking that balance that I always had my routine, like I said, and I had that kind of that gym session that I would do every single day. and. When I didn't have that in the last couple of weeks, it wasn't really from a physical point of view that I was missing it. It was just missing that that habitual mm,
0: thing the, that the I always had. Yeah. That
1: when I when I got it done, the rest of my day would flow. Yeah, And that I could carry on knowing in the back of my mind, I've that bit of work done.
0: Mm. Because
1: I was in an environment for 20 years in professional setup, you know, that's what I did every single day. And I yeah. was lucky enough that I had the mindset to be able to continue that and carry that forward into my life when I finished playing professional rugby.
0: So you would have but, felt a certain amount of guilt and unease if it's not done. Oh, and that's probably bred abso- into you abso-
1: now. Absolutely, and that's, that was the main issue for me that I realized that when I wasn't getting the quality of work done that I would normally have got done, that it was more it had an, an effect on me mentally more than it did on me physically because realistically we just need to do a minimal amount to maintain what we have in terms of our muscle mass we don't need to be in the in the gym every single minute of the day to to maintain what you have and mm-hmm. and, and people think that you know you don't go to the gym for a day that you're going to lose everything that you you've worked really really hard for and and and, me, and in my head I'm, I'm thinking the same thing, but when you take a step back from it and look at it, look at it rationally, you know, and you look at all the scientific evidence, it, it takes a, re- a minimal amount of work every single day just to maintain what you have. So whether it is, you know, whether you you set aside thirty minutes, forty minutes, whatever it takes for you to do that, whether it be just that body weight stuff that you see everyone doing online at the moment, body weight exercises. Or like you said, if you're if you're in a family environment and you're struggling to, to find that time and, and people are busy, you understand that people are working from home, they've got that family kind of environment, they have to, you know, try and incorporate all of that as well. So, you know, I've been trying to incorporate what I do with with my son just to try and make sure that he's happy, that that I'm they're exercising with him in the garden and doing exercises and that's some days that's just a way for me to get that stuff done, but also to keep him entertained and keep him occupied and keep everything, you know, at peace at home. Because it's, 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 a, it's a stressful time for everybody and it's just ma- it's managing your time as well as you can. So, mm. you know, there are, there are little windows and I'm lucky enough I, 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 got, um, I got some equipment. How did you manage like Garrett, that? Like did I you said, just
0: order it on Amazon?
1: I ordered just from a company in Dublin and I was just lucky that I got in before a time that, you know, a lot of on shops and stores are stopping their online deliveries now. So I was lucky that I got in at a time when, you know, they were just, just kind of finishing up and they were able to get the equipment down. And, and it was just, it's just, it's just a godsend for me in terms Mm of when, when, when everyone goes to sleep, I'll I'll go and do my session in the evening, probably eight o'clock, nine o'clock. I'll get an hour, an hour and a half done in the gym. And that, is in my head, mentally, what that does for me is just unbelievable. But yeah. I think if any, if everyone, I'm always someone that I sit down on a Sunday evening, and to make my my week flow and my my day flow, you sit down a Sunday evening, you take ten minutes, you write down where you can fit in your your your, your exercise, whatever it may be. You write out your session. If you allot that kind of time to a session at a particular point in the day so whether it's with with your son with your daughter whoever it may be, but if they're kinda of sitting on a couch watching TV for, for 30 minutes and you have an opportunity to do something factor it into your day because I know in my own head kinda of how much that kind of w- will do for the rest of my day and, and the mood that I'm in for, for the rest of the day around my family and that's probably more important that you wanna create that kind of environment that happy environment and I know for myself and only speaking for myself that my mindset and, you know, once I get that session done, that I'm just an easier person yeah. to live with. And and that's in in these tough times, that's really what it's about, how you get on with each other and, and how you kind of function as a family.
0: You know, that is definitely uh, something all men and women can relate to. Right. The valve release of it, just that that that, that let off that comes with getting the blood up, the endorphins going, Mm. just even just getting a hard blow, blowing out your cobwebs a little bit. And, Mm. you know, that's something that we can relate to. But sometimes when I look at the videos, Peter, on Instagram, the ones that you put up, and (laughs) I'm just (laughs) laughing because uh, because some of it is unrelatable. Like some of it is like, okay, I will probably never be able to do what you just did in this 30 second video my question is is it sometimes hard to relate to mere mortals after all this all these years of dedication to this and kind of having it written into your hard drive that an attitude needed to do this in the way you do at the consistent level you do uh, on the same daily basis the way you do have you had difficulty with that and sometimes when people come to you with questions like i am now yeah. is it hard to kind of relate to the struggles i might have or a regular joe might have
1: to be honest it, it is it's um i suppose i'm i'm, I'm like you said I've, I've been training since since i was six years of age and i remember <laughs> first starting and you know, going for, for these crazy runs when I was kind of eight and nine and, and summer holidays, going for a few miles of runs, swim. I just it's it's in my head and, and I suppose as as you do it and you get into a professional setup and at the advanced level of what you train and and, and I'm at a stage where it it is difficult and, and when you ask me these questions and, and, and Debbie, my wife, will always say it to me as well, you know, there's there's certainly an opportunity for me to kind of take a step back and, and to be able to I suppose look at people who are not in that kind of environment every single day and in my own head I'm kind of thinking oh look a basic kind of body squat or a lunge or you know certain types of core exercises you know seem really really basic and and quite primitive to me but and and it's 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 a challenge for me and myself to to appreciate and understand that Not everybody trains every single day and they haven't been, I suppose, exposed to strength and conditioning coaches, nutritionists, you know, right throughout the the years to to understand uh, how to train properly and how to eat well. So it's, yeah, and and I I suppose automatically assume that, you know, that people know these things and, and... And And that they have a base
0: level like that. That's the thing. Like you say, you're going for those mad runs at eight years old. (laughs) I mean, you've established early on a kind of, uh, I guess, a fitness level that you've never dipped below. And a kind of like there's some movements that, like you say, that some people would just never have never done before that you say are primitive. And they're like, they've never done a side plank at any point in their life they would never (laughs) have a need to do it yeah
1: it is yeah and i suppose only in the last couple of weeks i've really kind of understood that by posting a couple of videos on on instagram of home workouts just with with no weights just simple body movements that there's been a a couple of comments on under the videos people saying oh now that's that's a couple that I can actually do, mm. and that's quite a common theme across those, and I just put up a silly one last night of myself and Noah just doing simple exercises, and he was trying to get the kind of the movement, but it was just a bit of fun, and again, a lot more comments, people saying, actually, you know this is a workout that I could do, and i I, I put it up really as a bit of a joke because, <laughs> <and> <laughs> yeah, I know was, what you mean yeah, it yeah. was just it was just a bit of fun and and you know and just then that kind of hits home that you know people. Look for a little bit of guidance, and and sometimes maybe what I what I do, and I just I but it started by me putting the camera in front of me when when I was doing these exercises, really for my own my own reference, um, so my for my own catalog, so that I could look back on and, and see how I was performing, and you know people then started looking at them. But again, I you know if I want to have that connection with people, and and I really want to I suppose influence people to to get moving. It's to try and maybe narrow that gap in terms of what their level might be and, and what I'm used to doing. So it's um, there is that little bit of a, a challenge as well. I think more so now when, when, when people don't have access to, to equipment, it's it certainly um, enlightened me as to, as to how I need to, to bridge that gap.
0: Well, let me ask you, because there is loads of stuff that you can relate to and, and loads of stuff that I think... Sometimes when uh, I find myself asking you these questions that you're answering them, having never actually articulated it, but having the challenge put in front of you, the answer actually makes sense in a way that, you know, most of us haven't really thought about. So so the first two, let's just get straight into it is like I said to you at the start, headspace doesn't seem to be a struggle for, for you At any point with this, it's just a love that you have a passion for. And, yeah, you might have had days during your career where you've bruised and battered and would have preferred an extra couple of hours in bed. But you knew in your heart, well, this is what you signed up for. But headspace and mentality and mindset when you are not paying the bills through your athleticism is the main struggle, I fully believe that that is the main struggle of why people go to the gym in January, but not in February. Uh, and yeah. I wondered if you could help people in that way. So because you would definitely have the same struggle in the sense of I'm reaching the end of my r- number of reps. I know I could yeah. quit now, but I won't. What goes on in your head that get to get you from six is painful seven's more painful eight i'm out of here nine i would quit now ten i got through it what's the internal conversation yeah, for you there
1: we, yeah it's it's a, it's a really interesting one and i suppose i've i've had it within me um for 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 quite a long time for the most part of my life that it is tough you know every, every session i do i feel that if i'm not pushing myself that i'm
0: wasting your time
1: a waste of my time and I'm not I'm I'm kind of letting myself down and I would always kind of have struggled with I suppose being my my big my own biggest kind of critic and um,
0: and negative self-talk
1: yeah 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 I would particularly after matches that I would have played and and things mightn't have gone well in in my own head and you talk to people after and they wouldn't have seen kind of much wrong with your performance, but again, it's it's that kind of self-analysis. Um, you know, being critical of yourself, maybe you know, overly critical at times. But I suppose for me and in what I do, since I finished playing, um, I've 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 kind of had to reset my goals. Obviously, when I was playing week in week out, the the the, the challenge and, and the goal was always to. That match, mm. you know, everything you did was geared towards the weekend yeah. and that weekend's performance then, that had a knock-on consequence then on how you performed um, going forward with the team, how high up the league you were going and how long you lasted in a cup competition and all of those kind of those goals, those team goals, those individual goals, they there was a reason for, for doing the training, there was a reason for pushing yourself. And a visible um, result. Absolutely, yeah. This kind of tangible thing that you could grab hold of, you could grab hold of that that trophy at the end of the season, and, and that was, you know, that was that was the driving force. And you know, when you speak to fellas who would have finished playing and and they would never step foot inside the gym again, and you see that kind of transition in guys' bodies when they go from these really big, strong, physical guys with developed a lot of muscle over the years, they go through that phase where they. They will lose a lot of weight initially. And obviously, by being inactive, they will lose a lot of the muscle mass. And then you'll see them kind of pulling on kind of the fat when they wouldn't have kind of trained. That's not saying that everyone was like that. But you see guys go through this transition. And I'm always someone that, again, when I finish playing, I reset my goals. And and I had to have something else. and, And I suppose now my ultimate goal is just living as healthy and as long a life as I possibly can. I want to be in the gym when I'm 80, when I'm 90 years of age and still pushing myself. And I suppose I look at it in a way that I've had that experience over the years. I've seen what training can do for me, what pushing myself can do for me in terms of the longevity that I have played the game at, how how good I feel doing my fitness sessions um, by eating well, um, so so eating the right food will give me the energy that I need, and that you know when you see when you see those results and when you have that kind of those positive moments in your life, and you realise that what you're doing has a really positive knock on effect for the next thing. So I've had that experience over the years, so that I know that still that when I'm eating well and then I get my kind of training done and my fitness levels are up, that I feel really really good and again it's it's about you know I still do fitness drills now that I did when I was playing and and knowing that I can still hit those kind of numbers in terms of you know the speed tests or or kind of endurance tests or lifting weights and and, and knowing that you can do that, I think what it has, uh, that effect that it has on me mentally is just so, so positive. And I suppose being someone that I'm on my own worst critic, like I said, and I don't, I would always have regrets. If I if I didn't do everything in my power to make sure I was as good as I could be, then I would regret it. And that's just come from an environment and a mentality that I would have developed over the years that, mm. you know, like I said, it's, 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 the whole rugby thing career playing is gone but you have got to set new goals for yourself and having a young family and and i really believe that you know having your health is the number one thing that you can have and and i've and i've seen too many guys you know, too many close friends of mine you know pass away and 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 when when you see that happen you realize the important things in life and and what i can do to make sure that you know i live as as healthy life as possible then then that's that's the driving force for me so it's you know the challenge obviously was when you finish playing rugby and you don't have that that i suppose guidance from from coaches, from nutritionists, from people telling you, okay, you need to be here at this time, mm-hmm. you need to be wearing these clothes, you need to be in this meeting at this time where everything is done for you. Everything is laid on a plate literally for you. So the challenge for me, you walk away from that and now you're on your own. And it has to be an internal thing. And you've got to find, I suppose, a reason that you need to keep doing this. And for yeah. me, it was always about I could see the positive changes that happened in my life as a result of doing these couple of hours, whatever, an hour a day, you feel better. You, um, it might be a case where somebody starts doing a bit of an exercise uh, routine over a couple of days, a couple of weeks, and people who might, might be kind of overweight and struggling to walk up a stairs, and after two or three weeks, they're not as out of breath as they were before, and you've got to look for these little positive moments these positive moments of change, the first couple of weeks, you mightn't see any. You mightn't see any changes on the scales when you step onto it. But those little kind of moments when, do you know what? This is actually working. I can walk a bit further without being out of breath. I can, I can see on the scales that there's a few pounds down. Those little positive changes that you see, you've got to take confidence from and, and see the effects of what you're doing is working.
0: It makes so much sense, right? And the way I uh, hear what you're saying there is this is why fellas my age are doing triathlons. This is why fellas my age and younger are going, I'm going to uh, run this or hit this mark. It's basically putting a story, uh, imposing a narrative upon your fitness regime your wellness goals and regimen to say that it's not just vacuously looking better in the mirror, it's a story within which this is one page in one chapter that kind of articulates it in your brain so that actually it's not about counting to ten while lifting up a heavy thing each time. There's a there's a wider context and framework into which it fits. I mean, I think you've articulated it perfectly, but that was how I interpreted it. Am I wrong in that?
1: No, 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 absolutely. It is. And it's, I think it's important, like you said, to have that story and to have, you know, whether people find it easier to, you know, set that target, say set your six weeks, set your eight weeks, whatever it may be, at the end of it, be able to to run a certain distance a little bit further every single week but at the end of that eight weeks rather than be you know go out and have something very very much as was unstructured random exercising yeah that's that's all well and good but people lose track of that yeah. make yourself accountable write something down write something down over an eight-week period and every single week you know, have your target, have your number of sessions that you can actually do, whether it's two, whether it's three or four, whatever it may be, every single week, write in a diary so that you know that you are accountable for those. When it's written down, it's really, really hard to shy away from something. Mm-hmm. If you just leave it blank and you say, I might do something tomorrow, I might go to the gym later on, it very rarely happens. So I think from from that point of view, structure it, schedule it in, Have that kind of end goal in sight, and it becomes so much easier. Like you said, guys doing triathlons, there's a journey there, there's a target there, there's a a period of time that they have to do some some training in order to be ready for that day. So again, it's about creating habits. You know that if you do something often enough, it'll then become a habit. So for me, it's you know what I do is is a habit. It's 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 not a challenge for me to wake up every single morning and go do my training session. It's just what I do.
0: Mm. yeah. That's, it's, that's, it's, it's, that's the, it's the way as it is, normal it's as in complex. My head. Yeah.
1: It's as normal, it takes that, like, I suppose no one's motivated every single minute of every single day, and, I, and I'm not motivated either, but the fact that it's hardwired into me at this stage, it's just part of my day and it's part of what I do. My mind, as soon as I wake up, I'm out of bed, I'm into my clothes, get my session done yeah if you've if you have to think about it you're not at that stage yet where it's it's habitual yeah so it's about creating those habits that it just becomes as I suppose automatic as eating your breakfast going downstairs it's just another step of your day
0: yeah but like it's so it's so true and the why right the the old phrase find a big enough why and you'll find a how and i think that when people go off track which is obviously the biggest problem that biggest struggle with this and the reason why it's such a billion dollar industry because you can sell somebody something and because their why isn't big enough they'll they'll fall out of love with the how if that uh, thing that they've written down is big enough and motivates them like if i know my one and i keep it very secret I keep it very personal to myself I never reveal it to anyone because there's something about ambition it's very fragile if you show it to somebody they will probably break it like you showing Lego to your granddad back in the day (laughs) they don't know how to handle it they don't understand what it means to you so I keep my one I know what mine my one is and once I found it I didn't have the same like you say Struggle in popping out of bed and going, Right, this is how it's happening, this is how it's doing. Here's one thing, though, that I do struggle with, and I think everyone struggles with, and it's form. It's the belief that form is everything, that actually doing the exercise, whatever it may be, whether you're in hot yoga like I am, or you're cross fitting, your form is way more important than. The number of reps. I struggle with that because I I don't know why. I think that yeah. I, we all struggle with the idea of I've got to get to the number ten rather than thinking actually five's okay if they're done well. What help can you offer people with that that battle?
1: Yeah, it is a battle, and I suppose I bring it back to my days playing um, in a professional setup, and I would have always assumed that my peers would have known all correct techniques and and you know I'm I've been in the in the game a long time and and moving around the different clubs in the last number of years and seeing guys just like you said not not having correct form and rushing through reps and sets and
0: actual pros that are doing it
1: actual actual pros actual pros and I suppose I'm always someone that like I I pride myself on on the way I've looked after myself, um, technique, form, and, and I really believe that that has played a huge part in me being able to, I suppose, firstly, get stronger, get bigger as a result of proper technique, but also staying injury free and enabling me to do the training out in the pitch or, or play in matches, that it's, it's the base It's the base that we would have always done in terms of, you know, um, prehab, all these little core exercises, working on your form and technique. And and you see a lot of guys just kind of, you know, throwing their eyes to heaven and and, and not not kind of really engaging with them properly. And and then they kind of wonder why, as a result of of not doing these and not doing them properly, that all of a sudden they've got these little hamstring niggles and they've Mm -hmm. got these lower back injuries that it's – It's so important, all of these, if you're going to be lifting weights and you're going to be lifting kind of big, I suppose, compound lifts like squats, like deadlifts, like bench press, if you're going to be doing these where you're activating the the larger muscles in your body, you want to make sure that all the, the little tendons, the little fibers, all of those that are underlying how the muscles function, that they are as strong as they possibly can be. There's no point in just... Going out and, and lifting as heavy as you possibly can and trying to do it for ten reps because you know if you're not in control of of your lower back, of of, of your glute muscles when you're for example, when you're squatting, if they're not kind of fully firing and, and your lower back is taking the brunt of the weight, you're gonna be in trouble. And I've always kind of said that it's you're better off working on those kind of smaller details to enable you to, to do the bigger lifts rather than going straight in for those kind of those bigger lifts and, and you're out injured for three or four weeks and it sets you back even more. So it's it's working on those foundations, working on that base
0: level. It's tough, though, right, that, because you, everyone wants to lift something heavy. right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, even well, even in terms that, of yoga, you do want to do the move more dramatically or the, the more challenging form of it. And I've definitely been in situations where I, I've tried to do... Like, uh, look, Peter, I have, I have a sense that I'm just not cut out for weights. Like, I I think that that horse is bolted a little bit. And probably there's loads of fitness professionals listening to this who will go, you're talking out your arse, everyone can get there if they can just, you know, do what you were saying, which is start small and build. I don't know. Uh, there's a part of me that thinks... I've tried it so many times and failed so many times that uh, it's not for me. Is that possible?
1: Um, I'd 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 argue um, with the fact that I I know and I, and I've seen kind of lots of the scientific research in terms of of how good weight training is for us as we age, particularly and that's that's the reason why I'm keeping this up I, I do more weights than I do kind of um, cardio stuff I, I try and get my cardio through just being active getting my steps up every day and getting that that calorie balance right through through being active and leading that kind of active lifestyle but in terms of of, of weights there's something kind of tangible for me that you know when I can see myself being able to lift lift weights and in, in, in 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 tiny, tiny little amounts every single week or every month at this stage of my career, there's something really kind of positive about about getting stronger and I think the research shows that as we age, we should be lifting weights more and more regularly I'm not saying lifting very very heavy weights because that's you know that's doesn't make sense in terms of people who are maybe just starting out but in terms of osteoporosis and sarcopenia, um, all of these issues with bone density and muscle wastage, as we age it 's so important mm. to be lifting weights and, right. and, and, and people have this this fear and, and i 'm talking to my parents about it the same thing they're you know seventy years of age, and i 'm saying that you know as we age, we need to be lifting weights and and you know my mom and dad are looking at me going on oh, you know i 'm not going to lift weights and you know, when mum was talking about kind of getting too big and and muscle. I'm like, you're not going to put on, <laughs> you know what I mean, muscle and at, at at that age because you know it's so important that as we age because we see it so often. If people have a fall and you know they break a bone, that you know the the, the challenges then with having operations as we age because of you know really poor bone density. You know, the, these are the challenges that people face when when they get to that kind of age. So yeah. this. You better weight figure training, it out,
0: basically. Yeah.
1: Weight training is just is phenomenal for, for maintaining whatever muscle mass. We need that kind of muscle structure to, to help with our movement as we age. Um, I don't want to be at an age, you know, when I'm 70 or 80 years of age, struggling to get in and out of my car because because I'm really, really sore and, 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 and my, my body can't take it, you know. But with weight training, and, and it's just such a positive thing that, you know to to keep that i suppose that, that like that bone structure and, and bone density really really you know firing in terms of you know as we age it's just massively important and i know you talked about it that it's it's not for you and i suppose what we'll do we'll 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 ha- we'll definitely have a weight session jared together I'll, yeah. and i
0: i'm we'll live my my, now, yeah.
1: my goal my goal now is to is to change your mindset <laughs>
0: Here's the thing that I've heard from many of your colleagues over the years about your freakish ability to do this stuff. And, you know, you've always played it down to me that, like, I'm no freak. I just, you know, got into a good routine early. And, you know, like you say, it really comes across. You believe in what you're doing. But there has to be and tell me there has to be a weakness. There has to be something that you go, yeah, no, that's my uh, that's my kryptonite right there.
1: Um, in terms of being in the gym and lifting weights, is it well on on both levels?
0: I I don't um, mean w- w- what's the weakest muscle in your body. What I mean is that what is the thing that throws Peter Stringer that you've difficulty avoiding in terms of food and stuff?
1: Yeah, look, look, there are things you know. I've been. Like I said, started introduced to weight training when I was seventeen, maybe eighteen, and and I developed I suppose a lower back issue. It didn't really kind of suit me well to lift weights in terms of squatting. So any any movement where I had a bar on my back or there was a, a load going through kind of the, my spine, really, I had issues in the lower my lower back. So I didn't. I, I adapted. I found. That I was lifting dumbbells off the ground I was lifting kind of um, this uh, hex bar deadlift I was using that bar I kind of found alternatives to get the same weight through my legs but not necessarily the bar going through my shoulders and, and into my spine so I've had to adapt that there are many things I've, I've in recent times I've gone back squatting I've, I've, I've built it up over time I started really light worked it up uh, and, and my back has been really good probably because I know the technique, I know the form now that I'm kind of able to do the lift in a much better position that it doesn't put pressure on my lower back. So maybe when I was younger, I wasn't doing it properly. So that kind of put me off. Again, on a rowing machine, I'm not very good. Again, my lower back, that position I find uncomfortable. So I I like to run. And and for me, that's that's my go-to at times when I'm doing fitness stuff. I know a lot of guys now. Since they finish playing, their knees and ankles and, and their joints aren't very good, so they'll they'll sit on a bike and they they might swim, and I, I'll do those as well. But for me, it's it's about running, and that's for, that's what I've always done, and that replicates you know what 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 my game was all about. So and what in ter- um, what about in terms
0: it- of food? Like like from what I hear and what I've read in preparation for this, you don't really have a oh peanut M and Ms they're the killer. Uh, surely, Peter, there's something that, if it's put in front of you, and your mother says, "How oh, will you go on?" Sure, Jesus, it's Christmas. You can't resist.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I do, and, and to be honest, probably, probably five, six, seven years ago, I really kind of changed how I ate, and, and I, I will always have. I would have eaten very well, and like I said before, I would have seen the benefits of eating well. Um, how I trained and, and the results that kind of good foods and the right foods had on my physical performance so that was a thing where if I had something that you know might not have been you know the the right type of food before a training session then again th- those that kind of negative mindset would come in and say that look you're not doing everything you possibly can to mm-hmm. be in the best possible shape so again that would kick in um, so I would always kind of have that kind of that level of, of regret if I ate something, but in recent years, understanding nutrition, understanding the values of food, I have been a lot more relaxed in terms of 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 my of my diet, my my way of eating, the nutrition, whatever way you want to call it. But does t- at the moment, I'm 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 eating I'm eating I, I don't ever really restrict things in my diet. I, but I but I understand the value of food so I if I if there's something that you know if, if Debbie has made a dessert and she's making a lot of them these days with her home baking that if I know that I'm going to have something in the evening then I will I will know the the amount of protein that I will need to have during the day I might have a protein shake for breakfast I might have I might have chicken and eggs for lunch which you know I'm trying to get my protein numbers up but they're not very, very kind of calorie dense. Mm. Um, so that, from my, after my dinner, then I will know that based on the, the amount of work that I've done during the day and, and how active I was, that if I have have some dessert, then it's not going to make any difference to to the way I feel, to the way the scales is going to look by the end of the end of the week. So it's again, it's understanding the values of food, and just being conscious of the fact that if you're going to eat. Like, a lot of people struggle that, I think, if they go out for dinner at the weekend, go out for dinner, big meal on a Saturday night. For me, if that's going to happen, I won't restrict what I eat. I certainly, you know, when I sit down at that dinner table in a restaurant, I will order what I want. Um, but in in the build-up to that meal, I will just be conscious of, you know, when, when I'm not making the meal myself and, and you never really understand and, and know the full kind of calorie value of foods when you're eating out, and that's always a really big struggle for me. I will then just manage my day before that and make sure that my calories are just going to be saved really till till the evening and that by the end of the day, I'm not going to be, I suppose, in a calorie surplus. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be in a position where I'm going to put on weight, but I just, I enjoy the nutrition side of it. I'm, I'm someone that I've studied it a lot. Um, but again, it's just about uh, being really sensible and, Again, then once, if I do have a meal out and I do have a dessert and, and it's happened happens quite a lot, I don't have any regrets about it. It can't be a case yeah. where this is seen as, as a really guilty thing because… You've I've the night for the yourself past.
0: completely, yeah.
1: Yeah, I've, I've, see, I've seen it in the past where, you know, people eat really well for a few days and then, you know, they might say, okay. Oh, i might have I might have one meal at the weekend and and they might have a meal and it turns into a day and then the Saturday turns into a sunday and, yeah. and then it's you, you, you've you know you've said oh what 's the point i 'm just going to just do it anyway but you know it's just having that kind of that self discipline and control that during the week that if there's something that you want you know you have it, but make sure that it 's kind of factored in to, into into Whatever number of calories that you've set yourself, that it fits into that. There's no harm in in having a, a bar of chocolate if it does fit into into your goal of of if you're trying to lose weight. But you've you know you've eaten your right I think right amount of protein during the day. But you're you know you still want something nice, then then you can have it. But just make sure that you you know you really understand. The values that are attached to the food.
0: It's funny to hear you talk about it that way, because, you know, I think that probably the uh, shift that took place in me and probably has still taking place is getting out of the headspace of that I'm punishing myself and that in fact, this is, you know, to use the cliched term now, this is self-care. This is kindness. You're actually doing something that's. That's kind. You're being kind to yourself, despite the fact that you may feel like and have all these childhood attachments to chocolate being a treat that, in Mm -hmm. fact, your denial of yourself of these things makes the kindness that you're doing to yourself there is making the moments when you do have them times when you're going to truly appreciate them. And I know this sounds mad even to say all this (laughs) uh, out loud, but, you know, I think right now in particular, people are in a real battle. They're in a real battle with themselves internally and externally because the shopping that comes into the house is so precious and no doubt within it, they feel like, well, we didn't get to go out for dinner this week. We may as well be nice to ourselves. Our lives are so curtailed. Jesus Christ, sure, allowed eat a full Terry's chocolate orange while watching the telly. Uh, The way you articulate it there is, uh, you know, just about making sure that you do enjoy the chocolate orange without ruining it for yourself by having whatever, a, a few penguins as the day goes on. You did make a big decision, though, and I think you probably alluded to it there. With the exclusion of bread, was that down to uh, a food intolerance first of all? How, and if it was, how did you establish that? And how hard is it to quit bread when it's <laughs> such a big part of Irish life? And I guess, to a certain extent, feeling at home and at rest.
1: Yeah, it's it's probably it's probably six or seven years since I've had. Bread or pizza or anything really. So for me, I knew I knew there was something in my diet that was causing me some bit of an intolerance, and I went to just to get one of these simple tests done, and it came back that wheat was it was a trigger for me. And so basically, I, I'd be sitting on the couch, and I, I would have eaten a lot, a lot of bread, a lot of bread, and I could I could have gone through a slice pan a day with Nutella or peanut no butter way. sandwiches. Yeah, yeah. That, that. That's news. I didn't know that. So that's what they're, was, that's what was feeding the career. Yeah, there's the career.
0: A, a slice pan a day with oh, Nutella usually, on it.
1: Yeah, so the, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, that was Lord. a dream. That was a dream. But anyway, um, I, could ne- I could nearly see my stomach would nearly be gurgling in the evening. I could nearly see these kind of palpitations in my stomach and just... It, that was that was enough for me because um it just was so uncomfortable and 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 when I had that kind of discomfort it was it was affecting kind of training and just being bloated and it just didn 't feel great so i got a got a kind of a blood test done, and it came back that wheat was a trigger for me and since then just have i 've eliminated it out of my diet and yeah i 've looked it 's taken it away um, haven 't had any issues since, and it 's just something I so suppose as we moved to bath a, a number of years ago. Um, on a contract, and, and we didn't, the, the start of it really was, we, we didn't we didn't buy a toaster, and that was kind of, <laughs> that, mm. that kind that's of was big. the start of it, where, okay, <laughs> yeah. that's big, yeah, 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 so.
0: It was it tricky to, once the toaster's out, but I'd imagine that the, the temptation for pizza doesn't go away.
1: Yeah, no, it doesn't go away, it does and I know there's options nowadays with, you know, gluten-free stuff, but for me, it's not really about the, the wheat or the, the stomach, it's about you know, you could have a pizza with a gluten-free base and, and I wouldn't it wouldn't affect me whatsoever. But the fact in my own mind that it would be probably, you know, 1,500, 2,000 calories in one meal, it just, again, it's that st- just staying away from those calorie kind of dense foods that would limit what else I could have during the day based on that, you know, because I know the numbers in and around food and, and how it would affect how I'd feel and my mood. So I've just kind of stayed away from, from it completely. And, uh, I felt really, really good. I know it doesn't affect everybody the same way, but I can only talk about you know, my own personal experience. But in
0: all of this, Peter, there is we do keep coming back to it, I guess. and Maybe it's a good place to, to finish this before you and I head off to do our one on one weight session for you to change my yeah. mind about weights, <laughs> which I can't wait for. Yeah. Is that you carried and as we've discussed in previous episodes of Irishman Abroad, you and players like you and professionals like you carry a certain amount of guilt through your career and that a lot of the decisions you've made along the way, similar to people like AP McCoy and Ruby Walsh, are made out of fear and guilt over the consequence of making poor dietary, fitness, wellness Decisions. I think the normal person can relate to that because we're all carrying a certain amount of guilt and shame in relation to the decisions we make on our diet and fitness. How do you say to people now that they can in some way shift the language in their head from shame and fear or guilt away towards something better or some? better internal dialogue as to the self-care aspect of this or is actually the truth of it the sore the sore truth that we all have to take in is that a certain amount of guilt and shame is good for you
1: yeah look it, it's a it is a big challenge i would like i said i would have gone through my whole career with moments of like whether it's from a performance point of view or nutrition that you know if you if you don't do the right things and it has a knock on effect you feel guilty and that's human nature and there is an element of that, but what i've learned and and developed in a mindset over over the last number of years is in talking to people and and you see these um fads in the whole fitness industry in and around food and nutrition and it's it being a really short term target, and you know making sure that you 're on track for eight nine weeks and, and eight nine ten weeks, whatever may be is can be a really tough battle for people. but what happens after that that 's my whole problem with this whole thing is that we need to educate people people need to understand that this can 't be just about that quick fix in getting ready, getting into shape for a wedding, whatever it may be in 12 weeks' time that you can do everything in your power. And of course, you can, you can lose weight and you can, you can do all the right things if people are kind of telling you the right things to do. But how you change somebody's mindset to go from this is your end point at 12 weeks' time, whereas that should be the case where it should be where you're just starting and you should have all the tools, you should have the knowledge to be able to carry on to make this something that is really sustainable, and I always use this word, it's sustainability, you can't just go through something and battle your way through something. A really tough challenge of 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 weeks of eating really, really well, restricting things from your diet, feeling guilty if you've got one bite of a bit of chocolate. This has got to be something that if you're really, really, I suppose fixed on something and you want to change something for the better for the rest of your life this has to be something that is sustainable and through diet through your nutrition it's got to be a case where you need to educate yourself on the values of food so that when you want something you say I'm going to have it I'm not going to feel guilty about it but I know that by eating it I'm still within my numbers of what I've done throughout the day from a, from an exercise point of view. So that you go to bed in the evening, you're still under If that's your target, if your target is to lose fat, to lose weight, but you still wanted something during the day, say so you wanted a few squares of chocolate, then have it, but make sure you factor it in and that you go to bed knowing that you've still under-eaten on your day and that you're still on track mm. for your goal. So it's, it's about that. It's not about restricting yourself for... for two three four weeks because you know that that next time that you have something that it's gonna totally take off and you're gonna completely ruin the hard work that you've done Mm. so if you have you have these urges for little bits and uh, chocolate but for me it's about like I said educating yourself to make sure that this is something that it's a completely a new lifestyle change you can't just have it for a 10 or 11 week period where yes you lose weight but do you have the tools to be able to carry this on yourself for the rest of your life?
0: Well, Peter, it's been a huge, huge eye opener and a big help. I think personally this has really helped me. Now, we have a little extra chunk that we do every episode now for our Patreon subscribers. If you want to head over to Patreon dot com forward slash Irishman abroad and sign up. I'm about to ask Peter about the best and worst players at training he has seen over his career. I don't know what kind of answers to expect there, but I'm sure we may get names named. The supplement that I stumbled across that he said completely changed things for him. And finally, of course, we have to get into Dancing with the Stars and exactly what an eye opener (laughs) physically that must have been. But for our subscribers on SoundCloud and iTunes, Peter Stringer, thank you so much for doing Men Behaving Better.
1: My pleasure, Charles. My
0: pleasure. There you have it. Peter Stringer, what an absolute gent. As I said, there's way more to this conversation. Full near half an hour extra over on patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad. Head over there. Sign up to get access to absolutely every podcast we've ever produced, including a further 250 episodes that are unavailable anywhere else with the likes of Ronan O'Gara, Brian O'Driscoll, Doneco Callaghan. It's not just rugby. We've had everyone from all walks of life on the Irishman Abroad podcast itself. Uh, you can hear everything for, for the price of a pint a month. I'd love to have you as a patron of the show. Our chosen charity partner, the charity that I choose to support each week, is Jigsaw.ie. Go to Jigsaw.ie forward slash now because now more than ever, they need help providing the support and training for young people across Ireland who are struggling with their mental health. The Services and data and supplies that they provide through their website now and webinars has seen a 400 percent increase in demand since the start of this pandemic. We all remember how hard it was to be a young person. How hard is it to be one right now? Well, they're seeing the evidence. And it's only the beginning because I'm sure that once this lockdown lifts, the true impact of it will be seen. They'll need your support. So if you have it to spare, kick in a tenor over at jigsaw.ie forward slash now. My thanks to Peter Stringer for doing this episode, to you for listening, of course, to Tina and Mikey for making it all possible, to Brian Conley for his production. And next time we'll be back here with Kate Thornton, who you may remember As the youngest ever editor of Smash Hits magazine, the former presenter of Pop Idol and much, much more. She is an absolute star of a woman uh, with incredible stories about the music industry at that time. And later in the series, we'll be talking to Mark Pinkett about adjusting our view of masculinity and raising boys to see a more tender view of masculinity in the future. Make sure you're subscribed to get these episodes as they arrive into your feed. But for now, thanks a lot and I'll see you next time.